without roots, I still managed to grow. As a transracial adoptee, I resolved that any land could be my land, any country could be my country. But if I felt like South Korea was home, it meant I was Korean. Maybe I always felt a little bit unfinished. So being connected to the land was like finding more clues. If I could recognize, if I recognized the shape of the trees and found them pleasing, Korea was a place I could belong. If the latter were true, then I had found my origins. I'd found the beginning of the universe. I wagered if South Korea was home, I could start to find myself. From Pyeongtaek to Camp Humphreys is a 20-minute drive. No one dreams of moving there, but for me, it is the city where I reunited with our Oma. Mm. I have a brother, older than me by three winters. By spring, it feels like I catch up to him. My brother, who we don't call Tongjin anymore, had met me at Incheon Airport, and we took a two-hour bus ride south to his apartment. He had decided not to live on base. The door needed no key, just a code, and when I walked through the door, the apartment greeted me. A voice announced something in Korean. He was in his second year of being stationed in Korea. I had finally agreed to come and meet our Oma. It was March. My brother laid out some panchan or side dishes our Oma had left in his refrigerator. Rice and seaweed laver with warmed kalbi jim, assorted chun, mixed sides of kimchi and fermented cucumber. Tomorrow, my brother informed me Oma would come and his girlfriend would translate. How can I describe meeting our Oma? How do I describe being born? I still ruminate on how to articulate it, what it felt like when we met, because mostly I want to know, what was it like? I think I remember wanting to make sure I remembered this moment I'm trying to describe. I knew people were going to ask. I knew I might disappear, but I think I knew I didn't want to. I wanted to be present for the reunion. You who are listening probably understand innateness better than me. Maybe it's a little like trying to transcribe how instinct feels, but it's more than instinct. Maybe I wanted it to be that moment in Cinderella where the fairy godmother waves the magic wand and her rags turn into a beautiful gown. But instead of a gown, it was an identity. Would I glimmer with meeting my real mother? Would I become a real girl? I wanted to impress her. I wanted to be pretty and thin. I had to wear the right thing. Crying seemed like the worst thing that could happen. I didn't want to be vulnerable. It would be that ugly kind of crying where you can't breathe. But any sign of weakness or ugliness or flaw would make her reject me again. I wore a white shirt and jeans that made my stomach look flat. My hair, I damned for not being longer. 
Mascara would have been motivation to keep tears away. In a letter she wrote to me months before, she told me I was the prettiest girl in the world, prettier than all the others. My brother arrived home and I was sitting in the folds of the couch when he told me Oma would be coming in 20 minutes. Oma arrived with others. It was her brother, his wife, and their son, my cousin. Oma walked through the door first. My brother had sent me photos of her, so her face wasn't a surprise. She slipped her shoes off simultaneously, spreading her arms wide, and a purse was hanging from one of them, I think. I think she was holding her car keys still, too. She was wearing a black coat, and then she embraced me. I smiled. I acted politely. She cried. My prayers had been answered. I didn't ugly cry. She hugged me. I hugged her. And then I reached for my brother. And then we were a family again. We sat on the couch together. She explained what happened. My brother's girlfriend translated. I told her I forgave her and that I wasn't angry anymore. Recently, I've come to a further conclusion of what it felt like when I reunited with her. Security, instinctual protection. I felt safe around this person. I felt like touching her and I wanted her to touch me and it wasn't weird or awkward. Automatic intimacy. This year I got into a bike accident. Living in Philly, I have to avoid the trolley track sometimes, but my wheel went right into it and I flipped over the handlebars and landed on my chest, the heart chakra, my most neglected. She was abandoned by me too. The heart chakra is green, it's a flower. Sometimes reference as pink or a rainbow. It's soft, sensitive, meaning it picks up feelings. It reads and eats and sleeps emotions. It's a pump. It's the center. It's the organ that receives in order to give. This is the input-output of feelings. The gateway to accessing your needs and wants as it is right below the throat. There is this book, The Body Keeps the Score, which validates my intuition that wounds live in our bodies. And when I landed on my heart, I was breaking open. It was the final punch from Saturn, our universal parent, that I needed in order to split open. Saturn is incessant unless you learn the lesson. I was going to have to learn to have wants so I could learn to express them so that I could get all that I wanted. I realized that crying for my Oma wouldn't make her come back. I was three years old when I learned to stop asking for what I want and even more so stopped wanting to want. When I landed on my heart chakra, this is the shame that started to shake loose. On the left side of my chest, little Tong He is her name, is the one who stopped crying, who stopped wanting. No one can cry for 22 years, it's not useful. But it took me, I am ashamed to say, 30 years to listen to her myself, to translate the silence, the muteness, and that is the right side of my chest, where shame lives. And there's no knocking out shame. 
she's sticky, like tar. So we will deal with shame differently. Because first, I really had to forgive myself. I had not listened to my little self. I call her Fifi. She's a fireball, a phoenix, my sacral chakra, creativity, pleasure, a little monster, honestly, because she's feral. She's Mowgli, she's Tarzan, she's half fish, half human, she's the ugly duckling, untamed, shameless. She's been muzzled by me. One day we were talking and I asked her what she needed and she asked me why I was depriving her. She was starving and she broke down so authentically without any motivation other than to be fed. See, I hadn't been eating. I had been binging. I had been dissociating and using food as the catalyst. So I listened and heard Fifi and obviously needed to feed her and she wanted vegetables. I forget what we ate, but it was the same feeling I felt when I ate Oma's food for the first time with my brother. I got butterflies in my stomach. I thought it was because it was her cooking and it was genuinely saw, but this time I felt butterflies too and it wasn't her cooking and it wasn't mandu and I was like oh this is eating I like it I hadn't been tasting food or feeling it in my body I hadn't been in my body Binging is a de-sensation. It was my catalyst for dissociating, for numbing out, for escaping. And sometimes that's okay, but I had no control over it and it was no longer useful for me. Aroma wanted to take us to dinner. She asked me what I wanted to eat. I only knew to say barbecue, so we ate pork belly. She did all the grilling. She put meat on top of my rice, barely and rarely eating herself. She fed me with her own chopsticks, a term of endearment. I didn't know how to eat anything. I wondered what to do with all the side dishes. Unsuccessfully, I ate rice with chopsticks. I stared and observed. I felt muted. I was afraid to speak. I didn't know what to say. I would, in the next three years, feel infantile if ever I was with Aroma. It was the first time we had a family dinner.